Hello and welcome to Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking to Rick Paul, discussing his journey of mental health and well-being and how through going through this journey, he transformed himself into a therapeutic medium. So thank you for coming on today, Rick. I've known you for a few years now. And I first met you when you were on an NLP training course uh, with my husband and I came in to volunteer to help for a few days. So I've actually known you for quite a while and I see you at the wellbeing shows because you do mediumship work. But we've never had a conversation like this where I've actually got to find out about your journey. So I'm really quite excited. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Appreciate that. So you've had quite a journey, haven't you, to get to this point? I mean, I think what I always admire about you is your bravery. I have some sort of spiritual abilities and medium abilities, but not to the extent that you have. But the thought of actually expressing that to somebody else terrifies me because I'm like, what if I'm wrong? And standing up on a stage like you do, delivering to audiences, that, that's really scary to me. So I think you do an absolute incredible job. but. What made you want to do that? Um, it's, like you said, it's been a hell of a journey. Uh, so for those of you that don't know me, I was a prison officer for 12 years at two different local prisons. And I've never been one that feels comfortable in a sort of argumentative situation or harsh or aggressive environment. But it's one of those things that when you work in that environment for a period of time, you get sort of uh, into a place where you get used to it. So you adapt yourself. Um, I've been on a hell of a, a up and down journey with mental health issues, with various things, with anxiety and depression. And for me, it's been like cycles. Okay. So through these cycles, um, I'd be OK for a, a good period of time and then I would dip and then I'd go get where I'd be back on stream again. And then you, then you start to recognise when certain signs come in that you're going down again. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point that after 12 years, I was thinking, I cannot keep doing this. So I don't know what I was thinking about. I don't know what I put out to the universe. I just went, I can't do this anymore. And that's pretty much where it all started to go weird for me because... <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a prison officer, I know black and white. Yes. And I know um, like rules and regulations and standard practice. But as I'm driving down to work one morning, I could smell cigarette smoke in my car. All right. And I've never smoked. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I, you, you're fine with me, each to their own with everything that they do, but I don't allow people to smoke in my car or near okay. my car because... I was brought up where my mum and dad smoked like a, uh, you know, a chimney, and it was just one of those things that, as I got as an adult, that I didn't want to be be around. Um, so I'm looking round, and the logical mind always wants an explanation, and I'm looking round. You know, is there somebody stood on the side of the road with a fag mm -hmm. on? Is this is there something going burning in my car? Yeah. Didn't get any explanation, so I couldn't understand what was going on. But I knew I was still stressed, but this, this feeling of warmth around that every, I used to do 43 miles each way every morning for six years um, right, okay. to Stockham Prison. 
and seeing uh, how my stress levels fluctuated. You'd get to the car park and it'd be like deep breath time and let's see what the day brings. But I was getting to the point where I was sat in the car park, my hands was nervous, juddering, the, the anticipation. And the strange thing is, is that I've never um, really worried about what's happened, was gonna happen in there because truthfully, there was nothing that would happen in a day that I hadn't already experienced mm -hmm. in over a decade's experience with it. So I made this decision one day that I couldn't keep going on like this. And there was like a sequence of events then started to happen. I ended up going into hospital okay. um, with a kidney, having a kidney stone. Mm -hmm. um, having gone back to work once and then being in so much pain that I couldn't, I couldn't work. So then I go into hospital again and I've got, I'm in this short stay ward. And the thing is about kidney stones, as painful as they are to people, they're not a priority to the medical yeah. services. They'll give you medication and, and help you with all of that sort of thing. So they said, what we'll do is we'll put you on an operating list, mm -hmm. but only to operate on you if there's a gap. So if anything more serious comes in, you drop off. Yep. So I went through a period of about four days where I was fasting for 12, 13 hours. Oh, gosh waiting to go into this uh, uh, operating theatre and then something had come in and something was more priority mm -hmm. even to the point of one day where I, I was there I'd fasted I'd had nothing to eat for I think it was 14 hours and operating hours are normally like half past eight till five o'clock yeah unless there's an emergency and I looked at this doctor and it was about two minutes to five and I'm like it's not happening today, is it? And, mm -hmm. and the doctor went, no, nah, I can't see it happening. I said, is there any chance I can have a sandwich and a cup of tea? Yes, we'll get that sorted. So I just took my first bite out of this heavenly sandwich. <laughs> and the doors burst open like an action movie. And somebody come in and went, what are you doing? I'm eating because I'm starving. We've come to take you down for your operation. Oh, gosh. So that didn't go ahead. Because I got food and I got drink in the oh, system. I said, no. I said, I've only had one bite. It says, don't matter. So the day when they, they came down to operate on me, I went down and I uh, um, was going to have, have this operation. For another reason, it got cancelled, even to the point where they'd drawn the arrows on my hand for uh, having the where the anaesthetic goes in and which, which side to put it in. So it got cancelled. So I'm laid there feeling increasingly frustrated, increasingly anxious. And I'm looking at all of these people in the wards because what where we was, they would bring somebody back from an operation. Mm -hmm. They bring them round from the anaesthetic, and then they bring them water. Okay. So I'm looking at these uh, people and thinking, wow, they've got some real serious stuff going on here. Mm -hmm. So there's a gentleman across uh, the way from me, and if anybody knows about what, well, it, what it represents to me, really, what cancer looks like on the skin, it's got quite a luminous type of glow to it. Yeah. It changes the skin mm -hmm. context. And I was looking at this guy, but what took me with it was it got a tan as well. All right. So this colour was coming through, but the tan was on top of it. So when he came, when he sort of came to... And it still, it still makes me smile to this day because if anybody who's listening to this has been into hospital, you know that you end up in those horrible gowns. Oh, they're awful. 
which <laughs> is going to show something to the world that you don't want to demonstrate. <laughs> you don't want it out in a public arena. And I've got a drip stand because I was so dehydrated. So I'm trying to drag myself across to this guy who, who's just coming round with my drip stand, covering my modesty in whichever way I could. And I got talking to him. And I said, you know, you swap stories with people mm -hmm. because it's, it can be a lonely environment in an hospital. Definitely, yeah. So I said to him, uh, what's your story? Because he said, oh, you mean the, the tan? I said, yeah. He said, I've just got back from, and I always forget where it was, but it was either Kenya or Nairobi. He said, mm -hmm. on the a safari. All right. And I said to him, all right, this is, what's, what's that? He says, well, it's a bucket list. He okay. says, I've just decided that I'm going to live in the moment. I'm in for a minor procedure. And then we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a very short-lived time. And I know that and I'm aware of that. Okay. And what struck me was the courage that that man was facing up to something that was life-altering, life-ending. Mm -hmm. and, and then part of me is going, so what you're thinking about is a little bit piddly, really. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, so what's your story? So I told him, you know, 12, 12 plus years in the prison service, uh, really not liking it. Never really did, if I'm being truthful, because mm -hmm. it was just wrong for me. And he said, um, can I offer you a piece of advice, young man? So I, I liked him immediately because he looked at me. <laughs> and thought, a nice oh, compliment. Yeah. And he said, I'll offer you this piece of advice. He said, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm hmm and I've delivered this sort of talk, Debbie, uh, a number of times over the last five or six years. And it still has an impact on me today when I'm say, saying it to you. That a lot of people, when you give them a piece of advice that is good for them, but will go easier said than done. Yes. And that was, I think that was my, my attitude. Mm -hmm. Yes, I understand what you're saying. It's a good point, but easier said than done. Yeah. So... Um, we get to the point of where we've had this conversation and I've opened up and this sort of thing. And, and the nurses uh, came across to us and said, for the night shift, would you mind if we brought you all into one room to save us the nurses walking about? So, yeah, no problem whatsoever. So we spend the, the, the same, same night in the same, it's, rather than saying it was a ward, it was a bay. Okay. So in the morning, I am absolutely breaking my neck for a wee. Mm -hmm. And what the nurses have said is, when you want the toilet, press the button and we'll come along with one of them bedpans. <laughs> well, you're sat here looking at me, Debbie, but you know what? You can gather what I, I thought about that and possibly what I said. And I went, no way, it's not happening. Yep. If I'm going to the toilet, I'm going under my own stink. No, no, we insist. So anyway, we thought that's a battle to leave for later on. Anyway, uh, it come to... And there was the guy that I'd been speaking to. There was another guy in the next bed to me. And then there was me. So I heard the nurses coming round and doing their observation. You'd hear the curtain open mm -hmm. and close, curtain open and close. And it gets to me. And as the, my curtain opened, the guy that I'd been speaking to is just heading off to the bathroom, wash bag under okay. his arm. And he came... Uh, went off to do whatever he did and the nurse came in to see me and I explained the situation I was in. Look, I didn't need the toilet. Whatever it is you need to do, can we crack on? Oh, I'll get you the bedpan. No, 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 it's not happening. So she did the observations and I get up and I drag my drip stand out of the uh, thing and the, the guy that I've been speaking to came back towards me and he got within my eye line and he went bang like that. Gosh. No protection, 
on his hands or anything like that just went down, face planted straight into the floor. And you look at a situation and whether you've got knowledge of it or not, mm -hmm. I had a very tiny amount. And I looked at that and I thought, that is serious. Gosh. Because there was your instinct when you fall is to protect yourself, whether you've yeah. stumbled up, but there was just nothing. It just banged straight into wow. the floor. So in a hospital, that triggers off a whole series of things. Yeah. So everybody comes out and they've got the paddles on him. And I'm like sat there with no knowledge because they pulled the curtains closed mm -hmm. so that you, you know, to maintain the guy's privacy and dignity. And I look, I look out there um, eventually and then the uh, curtain gets opened and one of the nurses or the practitioners comes in and says, um, are you okay? And I was a bit flustered because why, why ask about me? Mm -hmm. Got a very serious situation going on out there. And I says, he's gone, auntie. She Gosh. went, she says, we can't say that. I said, look, the job I did, uh, you know, I said, mm -hmm. I understand what's happening. She said, well, to be truthful, she said, once them paddles come out, the chances of getting that person back at the level that he was at are quite remote. And because of his condition at the moment, then there's going to be, you know, there'd be repercussions even if we did manage to get him back. And, I, and I'm sat there and it was like having, a, having somebody punch you full force right in your stomach. Mm -hmm. Because I, I looked and I thought, looked at the clock, six, eight hours maybe, mm -hmm. where he said to me, don't sweat the small stuff because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I just took that as a real... I don't know. I took it as a a nudge, mm -hmm. but like with a lot of people, I'm I'm I need blunt and direct, and <laughs> and that weren't blunt and direct enough apparently. <laughs> so I go back to work, and I'm stood leaning there with complete disinterest and dissatisfaction with all of my working life. And I got one of my colleagues came up, and at the time I worked a thirty-eight week shift pattern. Gosh, and so you it was feasible that you would miss people for quite a number of weeks mm -hmm. because you wouldn't overlap or you'd be a different weekend. I looked at this guy and he comes up and he goes, he comes up and gives me a big bear hug. All right. And I says, oh, nice to see you, mate. I haven't seen you for ages. He says, oh, I've heard you've not been very well. I says, ah, mate. I says, I'm my own worst enemy. I says, I've got stressed out. I've got wound up and mm -hmm. I've ended up with this kidney stone and it's all been taken out. I says, I'm not very happy, but what do you do with it? Yeah. Because I, th I don't know about you, Debbie, but I think you can become comfortable in pain at times in a weird way. And I think a lot of people are, and they're a lot of the clients I work with, that as much as they know they need to change, even if they're miserable, even if they feel very stressed and unhappy, it's familiarity. And, that's, and it's scary to make a change, isn't it? And yeah. that's why we're here, people like you and I, to help and guide people so they're able to make that change. But it's huge, so I completely get where you were at with that. Well, I, I looked at him and I said, I've not seen you for a long time. He went, I'm being med medically retired. All right. And I looked at him, a big bear of a man, massive mm. man, medically retired. You know, seen him down the gym, playing football, all the rest of it. He went, yeah, I've got cancer. Oh, gosh. He says, so I've got about three months to live. Wow. And... I, 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 don't, I don't know how to describe the emotion, but that, so that was one person that I didn't know mm -hmm. that had passed in front of me through cancer. Somebody now that I was loosely connected with on an acquaintance level, 
my head then starts to put things together and going, right, you've had two strange signs there. Mm -hmm. What's going to come next? So I walked down to uh, my governor's office and said, I don't know what the answer to all of this is, but um, I need to get out of here. Yeah. Anyway, very, very long story short on that one, I managed to get voluntary redundancy and get a decent payout from it. So where you go to next is like throwing things out into the wind. Um, You ask at the beginning where the spiritual stuff really came in. I ended up with bad back and at 42 years of age, decided that the best thing for my career progression was to become a plasterer. Okay. (laughs) So I go to college with 16-year-old kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And on my first day, I am met with um, a guy who's the same age as me, my teacher, who looked at me and says, what the F are you doing here? Yeah. Because at your age, this will kill you. Oh, gosh, that's not very good. So me being me, because I'm stubborn, Yeah. wanting to prove this guy wrong. Mm-hmm. So while I'm doing this and I'm learning the trade, I supplement my income um, by working on bu- building sites and doing labouring. And I go to this one particular site and all my job was, quite simply, was to just load up materials, take out any waste. Load up materials, yep. take out any waste. And I'm in this particular garage one morning, putting in these plasterboards, lift them up, put them down. It's just mind-numbing work, but it pays the bills. I looked up and in the corner of this garage, is my granddad. Wow, that's amazing. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> but that's when you find out that adrenaline's got a colour of its own. Because, like I said to you at the beginning, black and white kind of guy, there's my granddad, which I suppose is nothing out of the ordinary to most people unless you consider that um, he was from Lincoln and he'd been dead for 10 years. So why he would be out on the, in this far-flung village in Lincolnshire, I don't know. And I couldn't put it together. So was that the first time you'd ever experienced something like that? I would, if you'd have asked me that um, right at the beginning, I would have said yes. But hindsight's wonderful, isn't it? When you sit there and you you look back on things. I'd seen things now that make a hell of a lot more sense now than what Mm -hmm. what they did then. But in my black and white view of the world, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, stood there, and my granddad was one of these real Lincolnshire characters. Mm -hmm. He'd go out with his bag on and he'd go scrounging stuff and doing deals with stuff. I was telling the tale the other day that he had an old Renault 4 that was loaded down with things. And I vividly remember coming back from a farmyard somewhere, sat on the top of a ton of turnips because he'd done a deal. (laughs) And that's the sort of guy he was like. But very, very dyed in the wool. Mm -hmm. Very, very strong-minded. He was an army sergeant major. Um, So the discipline side of him. So there wasn't a strong emotional connection for me you know like a lot of people who go I loved him and all of that I, c- I can't truthfully say that because I didn't know past the facade I didn't mm-hmm. know past the the discipline because children were seen and not heard yes. in that in that in that sort of thing so I'm at a loss as to what to do with this because I think if you go to a doctor and say I'm hearing voices and I'm seeing somebody there that's been dead for 10 years, what they're going to do. And it's yeah. a lot of the time, it's medication. It's medication. Counselling. Counselling, psychiatric assessments, yeah. So I truthfully didn't know what to do. So I went down to um, uh, the, the local spiritualist church because I've always been fascinated by mediums. Right, okay. I, I, don't, I don't know what the draw is. It's not like anybody in my family's ever, mm-hmm. ever done this sort of thing. So I go down to this 
place it doubles as a community centre but also as a spiritualist centre it's no longer there now but it played its part in my development and I walked in through the door and one of the ladies came out from behind the counter and it's a shame we haven't got visuals with this because it's you, you'll be able to explain it maybe better that somebody come around I'm not very good with people giving me hugs or I wasn't at that particular yep. time because because if somebody's in your personal space in the environment I was in well yeah in prison you'd be sort of straight into that sort of defense mode keeping yep. yourself safe and I've worked with lots of people that have come to me from the prison service that have got trauma PTSD issues and actually they get burnt out and they struggle yeah. and that's a massive thing and it starts to impact their personal relationships as well because you're constantly having to be hyper alert yeah. to keep yourself safe. It's interesting you mentioned PTSD because I was diagnosed with that as well so that probably makes a lot more sense than I realised. Mm -hmm. I The lady came out and she said welcome welcome and she came and she put her arms around me and it was uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. and it was like somebody stuck a pin in me and all of the air went out of me and it was like I know now what I'm looking for I'm looking for peace and she said you've got a future doing this oh amazing and I looked at her and I'm honestly as I'm sat here I went a future at what yeah she said mark my words within 18 months you'll be on platform and I'm going I didn't even really know what platform was <laughs> <laughs> and I went ah, it's not my barrow and that's where it all started from. Wow, that's amazing. So there's no like prior training, there's no prior want to it. It is a black and white guy that goes out onto stage and expresses himself in a colourful way. And there'll be a lot of people that you maybe interview and, and speak to about their progression where they go, right, I've, got, I've had this plan, that plan, that plan, right. I'm now six years further down the line from that... Uh, in fact, no, that was 10 years ago since I first went into the spiritualist church. I'm six years down the line from exhibiting and I'm still winging it to this day. <laughs> well, that's OK, though, isn't it? I think we all are winging it. I feel like that. I mean, I know we have these conversations that I come across as being very together, very organised, very efficient with my business. But underneath it all, I often feel like, you know, that sort of analogy of the sort of swan that looks calm on the top and they're paddling frantically underneath. And I think in different areas of our lives, we're all like that. We're all just sort of winging it or hoping we find out where we need to go. But I think what's amazing about your story, and we hear it time and time again, is those signs started being put in front of you to make you notice. And yes, they had to be quite extreme, but you, you took them on board and it's massively changed your life. And I think you're helping and inspiring other people and like you say you come on your stage now and you have bright colorful waistcoats and you have a, a bold personality but what you're giving people is that gift of sort of messages they need to hear or that healing or that well-being and i think also in the time that i've known you as well it's helped you on your journey through sort of mental health and sort of well-being because it's given you a deeper understanding of yourself through helping those other people i've had uh, two remarks i think that impacted me uh, quite a bit with what i do um and somebody was telling me one day because it's a strange environment and we've already been discussing this off air debbie haven't we that uh, sometimes that the environment that we work in on the spiritual shows and things like that can be quite a false environment the social media can be quite a false environment where 
everybody's telling you they're basically selling their product rather than their mm -hmm. than their than their true energy. Well, what you get with me is blunt trauma honesty. It's not always <laughs> well received, but it's the way that I am. And somebody said to me the other day that they paid paid me an extreme compliment with which I'm to give you my my thought processes on it. I I struggle with compliments or did do until certain things started to happen that when you get an extreme compliment, there's quite a way to fall from that if you can't consistently reach that mm -hmm. mark. So I always took that as a, right, don't compliment me too much because I'll open my mouth and say something ridiculous in the in the next few minutes and then you'll have a different opinion of me. So um, I, I didn't have anywhere that you could go from an, an extreme compliment yeah. other than a fall. Mm -hmm. But if somebody called me a name or something like that, then I think, well, I want to improve. So if somebody's called me an idiot or I've said something incorrect, I've offended somebody or anything like that, I've always known that there's somewhere higher I can go with. Mm -hmm. So it's a, twisted, it's a twisted mindset. But I had one person that said to me uh, when I come off stage, I said, was that okay for you? Because I always ask, because to be perfectly truthful with you, all I'm interested in is the client. That mm -hmm. is my 100% drive. Yeah, we've got to make a bit of money from it to earn a living and buy your shopping. But I'm not interested in the financial sort of things. It's just beyond me at times. And when I came off, he said, you're the best therapeutic medium I've ever seen. Oh, that's interesting. And I went, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an analytical person at heart. So I went home and I processed that and I thought, hmm, what's, what does that actually mean? What does that entail? And then I realised that I have this ability within me that when I sit with people and use the skills that I know that I've got which is communication and, and working on a level where we're I don't know we're grounded we're realistic mm -hmm. then massive healing is so I thought I'll take that as a compliment and I'm not going to look to do anything with it and then just recently somebody said to me do you know what I love about you and I went I thought my head went into an alarm bell situation. Like I, I, I don't know if I'm <laughs> mentally strong enough to cope with this. And they said, the, the, is your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. There's something about you that when you come, it, come to you for guidance or advice, if you don't know or you haven't got a feeling on it, you won't give advice. And I think that's really important to be genuine like that because there's nothing worse than going to a medium or somebody like that and them giving you advice and thinking actually that didn't resonate with me at all, that didn't make any sense because it makes you feel like you've, you've spent your money and your time and it's been a waste and it's some sort of con. And also then it gives the whole industry a bad name. So I think you do right by doing that. If it doesn't sort of resonate with you or you haven't got anything through, it's better to be honest and say that. Well, I, I always use my sense of humour. So when, when I do say something that doesn't fit with somebody, I just say, well, take them with you anyway, because I'm not a taxi driver. <laughs> I don't take any passengers. Yeah. I always look to deliver in a way that I hope people will receive it in the right manner. Mm -hmm. And I feel that I'm not slagging anybody off because everybody deals with their own business in their own way. And different people need different things. Like I'm specifically a therapist that works in one way. Yes, I work very effectively with the people I work with, but other people work in completely different ways and they get equally effective results. So mm. we need to work in different ways, depending on our personalities, the clients we work with. There's so many variables. So I think that makes sense. I think the, the thing is as well is that some people need their ego side 
to be placated at times, whereas I say this, and I'm, I'm bearing in mind that I'm being recorded, I always say to people that um, I couldn't give a monkey's what people actually think about me, mm -hmm. because I'm the conduit, whereas yeah. some people do it because they want the adulation of people, mm -hmm. and I'm truthfully not interested in having that adulation. Yeah, it's great when you get a, a massive audience because that means that your shopping bills a bit, bit yeah. <laughs> you know, you can go out and have a little, little bit, little bit extra in the in the shopping basket. But essentially, I am not interested in people fawning over me because I find it uncomfortable as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when I mean, bearing in mind at the level I'm realistically talking of working at, you get one person recognise you in 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 somewhere, and I was out in the park. Um, with my dogs, which is where I tend to find my solace. Mm -hmm. And somebody come up and went, oh, you're Rick, aren't you? You do all them readings and all of this sort of thing. My mind went into free-for-all because, <laughs> yes, I meet a lot of people over the years and I've met some fascinating characters and some I've had some wonderful, wonderful readings and helped people with lots of things. But once that person's gone out of my sort of immediate environment, I will only ever recognise the face. Yeah. So when they were recognised, um, my mind goes into free fall because they'll go, can you remember when you gave me that? And I go, uh, because I'm wanting to say the right thing. Yes. And this part of me that just goes, just come out with it, just tell them, I don't know who you are. Yeah. But you can't. So there's a responsibility there at, at times. So out, out of... I don't know even how to describe this. Now we're sort of face to face. I don't even know how to describe this, but... The when you're doing the stage bit, you're doing the readings, and it, it's it's a part of your personality that's up there, but it's not always the true you. It's the persona, isn't it? That's that actually the word, you're delivering yeah. it. It's those sort of components of you, those aspects of you that are there to deliver that message at that time. Yeah. So I I just look now and I just, I thanks very much. You know, oh you you did a message for so and so, and uh, brilliant, and and now they're doing, and realistically you just. You're just hoping that the things hit the mark. And I was doing a show at uh, one of the venues uh, in Yorkshire, and uh, somebody came running up to me and they're wagging the finger. Now, I always have the last word in every argument in our house, and that is yes, dear. <laughs> so when this lady come down here, you, I want a word with you. And as soon as she started talking, I'm thinking instantly, what have I done? Because mm -hmm. you ladies are lovely. But at times I sort of stand there thinking, I haven't got a clue what's going on. <laughs> and she came up wagging her fingers and I was looking at her body language and she looked angry. Okay. And I'm thinking, I don't recognise her, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, what is it that I've said to get her into that state? So she come up, she's come here. And I thought, well, <laughs> if I've said something, I'm, you know, you've got a man up and walked mm -hmm. out there. And she flung her arms around me. She said, and I cannot believe what a difference my life has taken, you know, the turns that it's taken since I met you. Oh, amazing. And I looked and I went, I didn't do anything. I said, you did all of the work. She mm. went, do you know, when I met you, she said, and you sat there and you wouldn't let go. She said, you was like a dog with a bone mm -hmm. working with my energy. She said, and I went away from here and I wanted to strangle you. She said, it just <laughs> brought, brought that up with me. And she said, and what did you say to me? I said, well, I keep it simple. I says, then that way I ain't got to remember too much when you, when you come back like that. Mm -hmm. I said that either you'll go away 
and you will um, disagree with everything that I've said mm -hmm. and you will find the energy and the impetus and maybe even the anger and the fuel to make those changes to come back and prove me wrong. Yeah. Or everything that I've said will turn out to be correct and you will go ahead and make those changes to mm -hmm. your life because all you are at the moment is stuck in this little rut, this little divot. And, she, and I says, and what happens is, and it happens consistently because I just look at evidence mm -hmm. that people, even when they don't believe me or they're angry at what I've said or, you know, I've had the nerve to challenge them. Yes. Then they all come back to tell me how their lives progress. Mm -hmm. And the lovely thing about it all is it's always a movement. It's never, ever yet, Debbie, in the six years that I've been exhibiting, been a backward step. Mm -hmm. Yes, we've all got to go through difficulties, but not one person's come back and said, you know, since I've met you, my life's just gone downhill. No. Because I've challenged him. I've stood there with the prison officer's persona on and I've gone, right, we have got a hot situation to go in and deal with, but you've got me with you. Yeah. And you will know far more about this than I've, I've done because I've got limited knowledge on a lot of things, but mm -hmm. not a lot of knowledge on... Yeah. Um, that I do a thing with people where I regress them back to a, a point where spirit, the universe, or however you want to describe it, will give me an age, will give me a number. Okay. And then I will take them back into that point. Mm -hmm. But that, what was we taught in NLP, that you use what the client gives you? Definitely, yep. So I use what this client gives me, which mm -hmm. is um, about prison service and prison cells, and then I regress them back to the point where I take them in to where they've got themselves locked away. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing how many times where I've picked up this age and gone, right, I don't want you to re-experience the, the trauma or anything like that, but I want to acknowledge the effect that it has on you in the present moment. Yep. Okay. So with the knowledge that you've got now, we need to address that younger version of you so you can mm -hmm. free yourself to bring that energy forward and then you can then start to work on the issues, whatever yeah. it is that's around you. And it's, it's incredible to bring in that healing around people and that acceptance of the self. Mm -hmm. Because I say many times, it comes up in readings many, many times with people where you say to them, right, I'm not saying that what I'm telling you is right and what you've experienced, there's a way of getting around it or mm -hmm. rubbing out the, the, uh, the more painful parts. But for your life to progress to that next level, you have to come to a period of acceptance. Absolutely. And I think that's huge, isn't it? It's getting to that point of acceptance that the past has happened, but you can heal yourself. You can't necessarily change what's happened in the past, but you can release the traumas, the anxieties, the fears and move forwards. And I think what you're doing there is you're holding space for that person. And I think with any sort of mediumship, any sort of therapy, you're really giving them options and choices. And then it's going to be up to them how they proceed with that. But I really like the way you've combined sort of the elements of the therapeutic and the mediumship because that's sort of giving the person the tools they need as well as the information and guidance as to where they're going. I think it's as well with it it's it's validated me because you look at labels that society gives you I've always been weird mm -hmm. I've always been a, a loner I've always been the uh, sort of class clown and things like that um, I remember vividly being off for a couple of days when I was a kid in uh, off the first school, you, you, primary school, and my mum went up to 
report or collect some homework or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And she turned around and uh, said, how's he doing? And she says, when he's not here, it's very quiet. And that has been my life all the mm-hmm. way through that I don't necessarily bring a skill set to things but you mentioned earlier on I bring a presence to a room and I think it's only since I've started doing this spiritual work that rather than seeing that as a something to shy away from because I'm, I'm the sort of guy that when when I get nervous and I get anxious I tend to babble yeah <laughs> so every piece of work that that I do like when we're recording with this I have to compose myself and we had a conversation before mm-hmm. we started about leaving gaps I think the older I get, that I, I truthfully believe that I may be on the autistic spectrum because I don't always recognise those cues. Yep. It's just when you get started with stuff, mm-hmm. the enthusiasm, uh, when I see somebody and I go, right, my previous skills said I can help with that, even if I just tell them a joke and get them out of the lap. Yeah. Because as a therapist, you will know, again, far more about this than I do, but... My idea of therapy is breaking a behavioural state. Mm-hmm. If I can break a behavioural state, I can get past the walls. Definitely. And I can deal with it. I mean, my last reading the other, other day, I sat there and I finished and it was just like bombing somebody because mm-hmm. there was so much information coming yeah. through and I gave it and I said, right, don't try and process it now because this is the speed it's coming through at. Mm-hmm. And when I finished, she looked like kind of in shock. <laughs> Because it wasn't, I don't think it's what she truthfully expected. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that many times before. But she sat there, she said, you made me laugh. You made me cry. You turned me upside down. She said, but I have to say, you was amazing. She said, I don't know what I expected. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's an extreme compliment because even if I got it wrong, I know that I knew what I what I was feeling and, mm-hmm. and I knew what I was picking up, that even if we were at opposite ends of the earth, that she would go home and have an inkling that spirituality and mediums and things like that pick up on something just in a different dimension. It's amazing, isn't it? And I think it's a real gift to be able to hone that in. And I think lots of us have it in different capacities, mm. in different ways, whether it's that sometimes you walk into a room and you just sense there's a bit of an atmosphere in it, or whether you occasionally have a premonition or miss or a dream or deja vu. I think we've all got little elements of it, but I think the way that you have practised and worked with this to then actually refine it to be a skill that you can pick up those messages strongly enough to then deliver them to other people is absolutely brilliant. Can I just argue with you slack? Well, not argue, <laughs> argue offer, offer a counterpoint. Okay. Right. Do you know, I truthfully don't believe I've practised a day in my life. But everything you do is practice, isn't it? Every time you're working with a person, that is practising that skill. I, th- I think, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think with me, it's an awkwardness about being around people. Okay. So when you, you're around people, and you're not comfortable, you'll be looking at ways of distracting you, uh, yourself. I mean, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, for mm-hmm. those that aren't sure, changed my life. It really did. Yep. And Debbie, you teach NLP, don't I you? I do teach NLP, <laughs> yes. as a, But N- NLP actually changed my life because it gives you structure. It gives it you. Does. It gives you a way of looking at um, why you've thought in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I learned that, and part of that, I thought, right, 
this makes sense to my life. It makes sense of some of the things that I've been through. So immediately when I got this new skill in my toolbox, I'm thinking, right, how can I incorporate that into something where I can bring in a little bit of healing for myself because it's understanding as, mm -hmm. as the person that's delivering the information, but also saying to that person that you don't have to go through this on your own. It's not a skill that I've learned out of a book, mm -hmm. which it truthfully isn't. A lot of my life has been winging it. I think if I write my autobiography, I think that that will <laughs> ultimately be the title. I always looked at it that I did it all for shits and giggles. That was my first working title. But now that I look back, I think it was, I winged it because I do genuinely feel awkward around people. And all I see is a project there in front of me that I want to help. Mm -hmm. And That's I think really I've, I've, got the, I've got the tools to do that. So I qualified as a hypnotherapist. And this is, this is what I find strange. I'm sat in front of a hypnotherapy teacher. Yeah, a little bit gutted you didn't train with me, but then that's okay. We, we, the, the timings weren't right, were they? Nah. Because obviously you do the shows at the weekends. I run training at weekends. But it's great that you're a hypnotherapist, not Who's to say I won't train with you in the future? But, I would love you to train with me in the future. But the, the, thing, <laughs> the, the thing is, is when you're um, working with that, I said to, to my teacher, right from day one, I have no desire to be a hypnotherapist and then covered my mouth oh. because a lot of the people that will come to you will have an idea that they want to be a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. When I did my NLP training, I had no want to then set up a practice yep. um, where I treated and advised people with NLP. Mm -hmm. What I wanted and still want is to do what I call spiritual guidance and yes. spiritual counselling because all therapists, all readers, all people, like we said, have got that potential. Mm -hmm. But it's dipping into the toolbox with each individual client and knowing what you need to tap into. Definitely. So some people will need help with grieving mm -hmm. and how they process it. I don't have many Achilles heels, to be fair. But um, when I look at that grief, dealing with grief, mm -hmm. all I look at as, as an energy practitioner is to get somebody who's grieving to move, their, move it from their in their immediate face, yep. where it's all, all encompassing, it's all painful and, and that, is to just move it to the side. Because a lot of people that I've seen will advise about strategies and things like that. Well, for me, grieving is not something that you can structure a path with. No, so I put individual. it and I carry it, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and on the good days, I sit with it um, and remember the people that I've missed. And on the bad days, I just sit with the energy. So when I did my hypnotherapy, I said to him right from the beginning, I went off from the foot of, I feel like I'll let you down because what you're teaching me is all good stuff, but it's mm. not going to be, ultimately, it's not going to be the avenue I'm going to go down. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, no, he says, it's just giving you the knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, but there's still part of me that wants to learn more practices and things like that. I mean, you introduced me to um, parts therapy which I am absolutely fascinated by. It's amazing, isn't it? But it's not something I've, I've studied in, in no. depth. But if you can get inside a person, past their defence shield mm -hmm. and gain their trust, build the rapport yeah. and sit with them, right, forget about that. Even when I do readings mm -hmm. at shows, right. Now, I am an expert at spinning a story. To tarot cards, and if there's a tarot tarot god, I know that I'm going to have a, a lightning bolt at me at some point. The tarot cards are just a tool. 
But all of these things are, I think, anything, so whether it's a crystal ball, whether it's ribbons, whether it's tarot, what they're doing is it's just a way for you to focus and connect with the message that's coming through. And I find that I don't tend to use things like that very often. But I find it's almost like a meditative state almost for the, the reader to get into, to focus on something just for that message to come through more clearly. It's you're the conduit, you're the one that's receiving the message, their tools to help that come through more clearly. And you're going to use which ones work for you. I do. I, I mean, I, I only go on my personal experience, not with great knowledge with it, but I, I find that the best way to deal with me when I'm in a Mardi, and my wife will definitely validate this, is to distract me with something. So that's my idea with tarot, that the tarot tells a story. Mm -hmm. The skill of the tarot reader is dictated on how they interpret the information that they're giving. And that's the key, isn't it? Because I've had lots of tarot readings before. And if somebody's just, they've learned, okay, this is the card, this is what it means. And they give you like the textbook answer. It's very general, very waffly. The actual real skill comes into, okay, there's this card in front of me. How am I interpreting it? Because it's going to be unique for each individual person and what's going on in their life. I, I, I to totally agree. I mean, I, I, I look at it that I, I want to distract the person enough so I can get in their cupboards. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, I, I have this massive faith in spirit and I, and I want to distinguish between the two things as well, the, the faith and the more religious aspect of sort of things. I'm not um, religious in any way, shape or form and, uh, and I appreciate that everybody has their own belief system. Mm -hmm. But what I do have, is faith in the universal energy. I don't need to give it a label as a god or anything like that, but I need that energy to come through. And sometimes when we've got things like on a surface everyday level, mm -hmm. we've got to kind of like distract yeah. so that we can actually get in underneath and work with whoever uh, whoever's running the show. Mm -hmm. um, and I sit there with a tarot card and I say, right, let's let's be honest with one another. Do you want, like you've just pointed out there, a generalised reading where we just pick up on whatever the cards are telling us? Do we want to get to the real reason why you're here? Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because over the six years that I've been doing this, my experience is that I get all the awkward buggers, <laughs> right, that are very, very strong-minded yes. in, in the way that they do and what they, what they act. Mm -hmm. Um, and the results that they're getting are consistent because another NLP thing, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Absolutely. So I see myself there in the prison officer role there where I go, okay, right, we need to add a little bit of dis discipline to this, this element there. What is it that you're seeing? Mm -hmm. What is it that you're getting from the way that you're acting? Yep. And what is it that you truthfully want to change? Mm -hmm. And then hit them head on. Yep. Um, it has varying results because the stronger the character, the more reluctant, the more stubborn mm -hmm. that they become. And I will say to him, right, okay, that's okay to have that thought because spirit, if you believe in the universal energy, will never get involved in the free will choice anyway. Exactly. So I'm only giving you a, a little bit of a different structure. Mm -hmm. So I see it in my mind, Debbie, when I'm working, is going around a racetrack with a horse, that the first one's a free one. Mm -hmm. because that person's going to ride that horse around that track. Yep. I'm very good at picking up on language patterns, which is another thing that you can be trained to do, mm -hmm. and you can do that yes. as well. <laughs> that you pick up on the, uh, on the language patterns, and you'll observe something. So imagine throwing something into a pond where it causes a ripple. Mm -hmm. 
So the second version around the track is you can look in their eyes because again it's something else you teach you look at the look at the eye movement and go right you've just took on board something i've just said yes by the time that the third one comes in they're already ahead of you they know how you're starting to think mm -hmm. so they will change things there and they start to make those things. right so i've listened to that language pattern you said you was going to try well trying for me and anything is already preparing it implies yourself failure to doesn't yeah. it yeah, yeah. So, right, so what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to go out there and do it. And when they say, I am going to go out there and do it, that is such a thrill for me because you're not involving anybody else in okay. the opinion. You've looked at your life, lock, stock and barrel, and mm -hmm. gone, right, what I'm doing is not suiting me. Yep. But how I was getting to that point was always the same. So mm -hmm. if you can help rewire the neural pathways in the brain with them, you can make massive differences with them. So when they finally come round that track... They're actually riding that horse for themselves. And they're, they're looking at you because they don't need that prompt. You've done your work. And, yeah. and for me, it's, it's such a thrill when you see somebody that's sat there and their body language is quite mm -hmm. slumped when they come to start to work, to walk away. They're shaking their heads maybe a little bit. I mean, I, I've, had, I've had people literally in floods of tears. And I said to them, are you okay? Because you always want to check your yeah. client's well-being. No, thank you. What the hell did you do to me? I said, mm -hmm. I didn't. I've gone in your spiritual cupboards and I've knocked a few things over and I've seen how you've responded. Yeah. The thing that maybe frustrates me with certain people when they work is that they draw up the emotional state and then it becomes time bound. Yes. So they draw up the emotional state and when that person goes away, mm -hmm. they've still got that emotion that they've drum drummed up. Well, I want to give them tools tools and leave them better than when they came yeah that yeah. is essentially mm -hmm. well it's quite simply for me is how i work that's amazing it's been so fascinating listening to what you do today and it's, it's gonna be about time for us to come to an end now which is a shame because i could listen to you all day but what i would say is it's been really interesting sitting here so i have sort of abilities but this type of things i see are very specific normally they're not just like dead relatives very often but as we've been sat here today, the whole time, and it's quite warm today, I've been shivering the whole time. And one of my things that lets me know that spirit are around is I go sort of, it feels like if you've had an adrenaline dump and you go quite shaky. And I also get goose pimples. And the whole time we've been sat here, I've been going. So there's been quite a lot of spiritual activity around this chat today as well. So I found that fascinating. So just for a couple of minutes before you go, um, what's that about? <laughs> You know, it'd be lovely if you sort of came out with a, a long, drawn-out, uh, I don't know, an ingredients list of why that happens. That is how it comes in for me as well. Oh, There's various different ways of interpreting things. So, I mean, uh, this is just my own opinion, by the way. This mm -hmm. is not tried and tested fact. That when you've got that cold energy around you, yeah. that really is your relatives. That really is the people that you've probably had an experience with Danny in some way or mm -hmm. another my true and honest belief is that any energy that comes to you uh, and makes that effort to come come around you I always put out that I only want to work with the highest and greatest highest good and purest, yeah. so the goosebumps effect of it is that connection with that um that loving spiritual energy if you're getting heat around you mm -hmm. then that for me is angelic 
So as I start to work with on on a healing vibration, my hands will mm -hmm. go on fire. Yeah, it's not something I can logically explain. Mm -hmm. And again, you you do Reiki as well. Um, for me, Reiki was another tool that is just invaluable. That sometimes you can just sit with people and just talk and just be there. But you can also have it, and it's strange. I, I, I'm bless you. I don't got a lot of knowledge about ladies, but uh, I can imagine when uh, people are talking about the menopause, when you're going cold and hot. Well, I must be menopausal then, because when I sit with people and I'm working, I can have heat and cold in mm -hmm. equal measure, and the environment that I've sat in doesn't have any yeah. any bearing on it whatsoever. So, um, you need a conduit though to bring that spiritual energy to you so that's probably mm -hmm. what what goes on because spirit for me are always active yes they're always there 24 hours they're always on on call 24 hours um one of the questions when you say that does that mean they go to the toilet with you and, <laughs> and it does you know it really makes me smile because i think if you've got somebody that you really, really loved and you're really close to, would you take them to the toilet? You know, would no. you go and have a bath with them? <laughs> no, not, you know, you wouldn't, would you? So why to think that when they've passed away, yes, spirit have always got that discretion, but... It... I have been known to say in the past, though, just in case anyone's out there, is anybody with me right now? I'm going to the toilet. Please wait outside. And I just then <laughs> chuckled to myself. So I've had that thought before. <laughs> I've never I've never experienced that personally, but it, 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 is, it is lovely. Um, and spirit, and this is the bit that I'll sort of like put the, the lid on the question there. Spirit for me are um, always loving. They're always there. And if you fi find that you're not progressing as much as you was previously, it's basically because your real term life down here on this wonderful world that we live in is, needs priority rather than your spiritual development. Yeah. So. Just get into the habit when, and this is the same for myself. I'm I'm not sitting here preaching to the converted that sometimes that your your real life needs more priorities than your spiritual development. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you put in put that into context that you go and sit somewhere and you do your meditations, you do your affirmations, that spirit will always join you because the non-coercive and the non-judgmental. Yeah. So they're always around you. So. It's it's one of those when you can prioritize them, they will always match you. And I think right from the very beginning that for every pound that you invest in spirit, they'll invest ten pound in your back. So for that, anybody out there that's struggling, whether you're getting the you're doing it right, whether you're mm -hmm. getting the right information, just sit there and let your thoughts drift by. Yep. Don't put any attachment to your thoughts. Put out to those that you miss, those that are no longer around. Right, bring me something in. And you'll find that the radio switches on mm -hmm. and there'll be a tune on there. Um, there'll be somewhere that you go past that will sort of take you back into a different a different time. And for me, Feathers, um, Robins, and I believe in all of that, that yep. signs and synchronicities. So never forget that spirit are always around you. Oh, what a lovely point to leave it on. Thank you ever so much for coming. And to our audience, thank you ever so much for tuning in and listening today. Whatever you're doing, I hope you have a wonderful day and I shall speak to you again soon. Take care and bye-bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you are interested in what we do, please go to my website, www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk as well as information on the therapies I offer, 
There is also links to my Past Life Regression Therapists programme and my professional hypnotherapy training programmes. If you are looking for online training for self-development, please go to debbieison.thinkific.com and also remember to follow me on social media. Simply on Facebook, type in Tranquil Awakenings to find my business page and I'm also on Instagram. I love hearing from you. Please do send any comments or questions and if you have any ideas of what you would like me to talk about on future episodes, please do send me a message.